0: details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. No, no Michael oh. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1D4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus-five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public... No more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Warning. The following broadcast is presented without the use of talking points, blatant hypocrisy, or Kool-Aid. You know, it's bad when this guy has to become the voice of reason. It's the return of the zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's it's finally that day on the calendar that, thank God it's here. I think just in the time I was doing this intro, I got two calls, two of those campaign calls. Today is primary day here in the state of Arizona. Yes, we have the uh, all the congressional districts, everything, all up in their primaries, Republican, Democrat primaries. Of course, I'm a registered libertarian, so it doesn't really matter to me one way or the other. Because I don't even know we have candidates, but usually they run unopposed. Because how would there ever? No one ever votes for a libertarian anyway. God, God forbid they vote for two libertarians. Like really, I mean. All right. So it is primary day. Uh, The big, of course, the the huge primary goes on between uh, the. in the Senate race between John McCain and J.D. Hayworth. And, of course, Jim Deacon is in there as well, but nobody knows or cares about Jim Deacon outside of the state of Arizona. And there's no way he's going to win. And really, there's no way J.D. Hayworth is going to win either. And so we're going to talk about it. Uh, Definitely the McCain people. I've seen uh, a lot of the posts. A lot of the very cocky McCain backers are out there right now. And yes, it is pretty much an inevitability that McCain will win this primary and thus he will win another term in the Senate from the state of Arizona. Which of course is so amazing because people always talk about how John McCain is so bad for Arizona and how his star has fallen especially after he ran for the presidency. And now, here we are where you've got the chance to get this guy out it's time to throw the bums out. And everybody says, oh, I'm going to vote him out, I'm going to vote him out. And then when it comes down to the primary, he's going to win by 20 points over J.D. Hayward. So, once again, it's just the hypocrisy that goes on with the voters, especially here in this state. But there are primaries going on elsewhere as well. And we're definitely going to... Well, I'm not going to break those down. Really, I don't care about the primaries very much. It's kind of like preseason football. My, my adage on preseason football is if the games don't count, I don't care. That's my stance on anything in sports. Like if if it's, you know, if it's spring training, if it's preseason NBA, NHL, preseason NFL, if the games don't count, I don't care. When they start writing the games in pen, when there's actually standings to be had, that's when I care. It's just like with these primaries. I don't really care. I care about the general election. And that's coming up November 2nd. We're, what, uh, just over, what are we, uh, 60, 70-some 70, 70 days from that now? That's it. I mean, we're getting close. I'm just so glad that the primary is almost over. You know, yesterday, I must have had, literally, 15 calls on my landline from uh, from candidates. Seriously, it was it was madness. It was insanity. I couldn't even, you, you can't even believe what goes on. All right, look, we got a lot of stuff to get into on the show today, uh, just a, a whole bunch of stuff. I'm glad that California is so cash strapped. Whenever you hear California talk about how bad they are, how bad it is over there, how cash strapped they are, how financially burdened the state is, the story I'm going to give you in just a couple of minutes is so Unbelievable. It just goes to show that your tax dollars really... uh, You talk about your tax dollars hard at work. Yeah. Yeah, your tax dollars are hard at work, all right. They're hard at work over in the state of California to build $578 million schools. I'm not making that up. It's unbelievable. But you know, one of the first things I want to get to, and this is just... I'm not that guy, okay? I'm not, I'm not the, the libertarian guy that comes on the air and always screams about, let's legalize drugs, okay? You know how I feel about the legalization of marijuana or the decriminalization of marijuana. I think it's just insane that we put people in jail for uh, just unbelievable amounts of time because they have joints or they grow a plant in their house. It, it just seems, it's not even ludicrous anymore. It's ridiculous, We have overcrowded prisons. We have real crime that's going on on a regular basis. And yet here we are, we're locking away pot smokers for interminable amounts of time because, oh my God, they light up a joint. Which is really, there's no fundamental difference between lighting up a joint and coming home after uh, work and and having a a margarita. There's no difference at all. As a matter of fact, uh, marijuana is, generally speaking, less dangerous than alcohol. So, and I'm not, generally not that guy. I'm not, the, I'm not the champion for legalizing marijuana. If you think that's my show, you're wrong. I mean, that's fine. I'm cool with it. I don't preach it every day. However, when I read stuff like this, maybe I should preach it every day. Governor Bill Ritter of the state of Colorado, he's using $9 million from medical marijuana registration to help the state meet a $60 million fiscal emergency. So this, the state of Colorado has a big uh, budget problem, just like every other state in the union. They have a big budget problem, and this guy, this uh, Governor Bill Ritter from the state of California, he's uh, Colorado, he's using $9 million in revenue from uh, the medical marijuana program, and he's using that to pay off some of the fiscal issues that they're having in the state. The state anticipates ending the year with 150,000 applicants for medical marijuana cards, up from 41,000 in 2009. A marijuana card costs 90 bucks a year. Backers of medical marijuana legislation in a number of states and cities have, of course, touted the revenue from possible taxes and other fees as a uh, selling point at a time to fight fiscal funding. Yeah, I've said this for years. I mean, uh, I don't see why it's not legalized. Uh, There's so much tax revenue that could be generated from that. It's just like I don't understand why gambling is not legal uh, in in every state, not just on Native American uh, reservations, but in every state in the union. I don't understand why we don't have legalized gambling. Again, the revenue. And I know the morality monitors are out there. We and Gambling destroys families. Marijuana destroys families. Yeah, well, alcohol destroys families. And guess what? It's perfectly legal. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Anheuser-Busch, Miller Brewing Company, just to name the two big ones in the United States. So don't give me this, this pugilistic nonsense of... It destroys families so we can't have... Marijuana is bad. You know what, man? I got to tell you something. So in the interest of full disclosure, let me tell you. Those of you that have listened to this show for all those years and those of you that know me personally, uh, for 32 years of my life, all right, 32 years... Uh, I went 32 and a half years. I went, I'd never smoked a joint. Uh, the closest I ever came to smoking a joint, I was, I got a, uh, a, a contact high, okay? Secondhand high once I, at a bus stop. I told this story on the air. I was coming back from college once. Um, I'm sitting at a bus stop. It's pouring rain. It's like 45 degrees, all right? And um, I'm at a bus stop and there's two guys sitting on either side of me, nice guys, and they're just they're smoking joints, man. They're just right there out in the open. They're smoking joints. And the wind is just blowing this marijuana smoke right in my face, you know. And and listen, I was like 15 minutes sitting there and I could have gotten up and moved away except I would have then been standing out in the rain. So I just decided, you know, I'm just going to sit there. And it, it didn't really bother me, even though I'm asthmatic. It really didn't bother me. So um, I got, once I got on the, they offered me uh, a, a couple of hits, by the way. I, I declined. But... You know, I got home. I, I had a little headache. I had a little, I, I clearly felt a little high from it. Yeah, I got the munchies, everything, you know, a little bit. That was the closest I'd ever come. And I've been offered joints many times. Uh, ironically, most of the time I was offered joints was at bus stops, right out in the open. Usually by guys that were clearly stoned. I mean, they were the nicest guys. They're like, hey, man. Hey, dude, you look like you want to hit. I'm like, you know what, man? I'm good. So, when I was in Vegas this uh a couple of weeks ago, I was out there and uh I was hanging out um uh with a special someone. You know, the names have to be changed to protect uh the not so innocent. So anyway, I'm uh, we're we're hanging out and uh you know, I, I smoke uh I I smoke uh you know, marijuana for the first time. Right there. And frankly, let's just, let's just call it as it is. You know, I, I, I had no trepidation about it. See, the only thing is I have asthma. Okay. I have, um, pretty bad asthma. So of course I was always concerned. I, I always thought, you know, maybe if I did it, I'd probably just eat pot brownies or something, you know, but I really, I have absolutely no real reservations. The only reason I hadn't done it previously is because a really good opportunity. Never really came along. And So then I I probably over the course of four days, I mean, it must, I I don't know, 12, 15 times. I mean, just smoking up, you know, and, um, I felt no real, I got to tell you, I've consumed alcohol many, many times in my life and I've been drunk from it. I've been buzzed from it. Even just socially drinking. Um, the difference between the two is incredible um, marijuana, at least for me, and I know everybody has different experiences, but for me, it, it, there is no. Um, I, I got sort of the buzz feeling from being drunk, or from being from drinking. Not really drunk, but for just that that feeling, that sort of euphoria that you have before you're drunk, without any sort of horrible aftertaste, without any sort of horrible kind of that 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 weird feeling, that that rush feeling that that goes through your head. Um, when you're drunk or just when you're about to be drunk or on the press. And there was no, there was no like real crash feeling. You know how when you drink, especially if you, if you just start to get drunk, and then when you come down from it, you, you get that crash, man. You just want to pass out. You know, you just get insanely tired. <clears throat> or if you have too much to drink, you get extremely sick. There's nothing like that for marijuana. And uh, the weird experience that I had was I had I had clarity of vision. Um, Being legally blind as I am, I uh, I actually experienced clearer vision. I didn't necessarily see better, but what I could see, I saw very clearly, which is is uh, unusual. Um, It's not the first time I've ever heard that from people that uh, smoked weed, but you know, so I don't have any problem with it. You know, I'm not going to go out and, and do heroin. Uh, I, I, I have an objection to heroin. I have an objection to BLAST, okay, you know, PCP. I have an objection to meth. I have an objection to a lot of drugs, but I don't have an objection to marijuana. It is, uh, historically speaking, throughout the history of man, it is uh, a very benign drug. People that tell you it's a gateway drug, it's um, those are uninformed uh, folks that use Flawed scientific research to justify people that smoke marijuana that wind up smoking other drugs. See, I'm going on a rant here. See, I didn't want to do this, but people that wind up smoking marijuana and then they they smoke other drugs. Those are people that would have smoked other drugs anyway, just because they start with marijuana. The reason is because it's more ubiquitous than those other drugs. It's easier to get marijuana than it is to get heroin. It's easier to get marijuana than it is to get PCP. So, you know, the, the idea that it's a gateway drug is silly. So I, I don't have a problem. I, I, would, I would tell you again that uh, to legalize marijuana is great. I, I'm all for it. I think that uh, we could make incredible tax revenues off of it. I'm not saying it's, it's the cure-all. It's the panacea for the budget problems that we have in this country. But it's another vehicle. And it's certainly a better vehicle if you want to try and go the moralistic route. It destroys families. If you want to go that route, it's a lot better than alcohol. It's a lot better than tobacco, which has absolutely no health benefit whatsoever. You want to talk about, you want to know what destroys families? Cancer destroys families. Lung cancer from people that put death sticks in their mouth for year upon years upon years. People that just, they hit the bottle every single day. They drink a fifth of scotch by 9 a.m. That's what destroys families in this country. A guy that decides to light up a joint, that doesn't destroy a family. I'm sorry, you can't convince me otherwise. How many times do you fire open the newspaper... You look online at, your, at, the, at the stories going on, the news stories going on in your city. How many times do you open the story and you, you see drunk drivers kill people every single day on America's highways? Drunk drivers are out there. They're, they're just plowing over people. And even if they don't kill people, they get in accidents. They injure people. They injure themselves. That's what destroys families. And then con- contrast that with how many times you look in the newspaper and you see... Guy high on weed smashes into another vehicle. Yeah, it's happened, but it's really rare. And it's not rare because it's illegal, because believe me, I know a lot of people that smoke marijuana. I know Of all the people I know in my life, friends, family, etc., I know more people that smoke marijuana than don't. Hell, I did it. So it's not because it's illegal that's causing the issue it 's not because it 's illegal that means that there's less uh, crime as a result of it or less accidents on the roadways it 's just because it 's less harmful now i 'm not advocating that you get stoned and then you go out and drive because that 's not very responsible then that 's not very smart, but at the same time don't give me this crap alcohol destroys families you know don't don 't try and use that argument for marijuana don 't be like See, because marijuana will destroy your family too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to have to see some, some case studies, some research on that. Thanks. So, see, I read that story, and, and I just immediately think, well, what the hell? By the way, I, I should probably introduce myself. I welcome in. This is the zip code famous Michael Groff show. I would be Michael Groff. It's uh, Tuesday. <laughs> we did this entire thing. We didn't even, you know, Tuesday, August the 25th, right? That is right, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's Tuesday, August 24th, 2010. The days run together, man. That's, that's the problem when you do what I do. When you just sit here and you do podcasts and you're doing work indoors all day. The days just run together. They're all the same. Mike at KMGX.com, our contact information. It's Mike at KMGX.com, AOL Instant Messenger. Michael Groff Show is the screen name. You can always contact us via that avenue. MichaelGroff.com, the place to go for all of our other contact information. And, you know, one day maybe there'll be a real site there. But I wouldn't necessarily count on it. Though, I'm saying, why not? I got another story. I got to take a break first. Otherwise, you know, this opening segment will be 90 minutes long and we don't want to do that because, you know, I have things to do, man. (laughs) I I have to tell you, this is just an unbelievable story that we're going to get to this. This is just an unbelievable story from Los Angeles. All right. This is this is just one of those things where um, I don't want to hear how L.A. and the state of California are cash strapped when I'm I'm seeing stories like this. This is just, it's too much. Don't even give me this crap. All right, it's the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show, and we'll be back. I'm waking up at the start of the end of the world But it's feeling just like every other morning before Now I wonder what my life is gonna mean if it's gone The cars are moving like a half a mile an hour and I Started staring at the passengers and weaving goodbye Can you tell me what was ever really special about me all this time? Segment number two It's Michael Groff Happening on this here little podcast This thing that we do Tuesday, August 24th, 2010 Primary day Woo, yeah Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Also, that's the PayPal address for your most generous contributions to this program. Send money. Keep us on the air. Thank you to those of you that have been uh, contributing to this here show. We do appreciate it. Hey, if you ever want to co-host an edition of this program or even one of our best of shows, you can always get in contact with me as well through email, Mike at KMGX.com or... AOL Instant Messenger. You know our screen name over there is Michael Graff Show uh, online. Naturally, the one, the only MichaelGroff.com. Yes, terrible site, but one day maybe better. I'm gonna bribe a really hot chick web designer, and what's gonna happen is she's gonna like work on that, and then, and then um, I'll be completely smitten. Because somebody can work on a site And, you know, because, you know As you might remember, in the old days of this show I used to use Microsoft Publisher And that was just, man, you talk about great Those old websites of mine were so stellar I found an old copy of the site that I made once (laughs) Like, I swear, literally a seven-year-old could have done it better I didn't know you could use Crayolas on the internets All right, All right, the ultimate manifestation of government waste at its finest. You wonder why the state of California is in the budget problem that they are. I saw this the other day. I couldn't even believe it. I had to go and check this out. I had to make sure that this was real. This is a, a true story. And where else but California would you have something like this? Now, I don't know how much it costs to put up a school, okay, from the ground up, to build an elementary school or even a K through 12 school. I don't know how much it costs, but it's got to be, you know, a couple of million bucks, a few million bucks. You got to build buildings. I mean, you know, the foundation, the buildings, everything, uh, all the equipment that goes into it, all the books, the shelves, the the gym equipment, the cafeteria, everything that you need to build a school that's up to, reasonably up to code. And then you got to put computers in there. You got to make sure even it's got to have internet access, all this stuff. So, I don't know, what what would be a reasonable price for a school? What? I I don't know, 10 million bucks. You want to build a nice, relatively state-of-the-art school in a relatively decent area, probably 10 million bucks, right? Well, not in the state of California. In the state of California, they open a school, and uh, this is from Los Angeles. They're opening the Robert F. Kennedy Community Schools uh, this is going to cost you, the taxpayers, $578 million. The K-12 complex will house 4,200 students. It's, of course, raised eyebrows across the country because it's the creme de la creme or the Taj Mahal of schools. Yes. $100 million campuses boasting both Architectural, architectural and deluxe amenities. Quote, there's no more of the old windowless cinder block schools of the 70s where kids felt like they were in jail, said Joe Agron, editor-in-chief of American Schools and University, uh, which is a school construction journal. I, I, I read that every month. I get that. I get that delivered. Districts want, quote, districts want a showpiece uh, for the community, a real impressive environment for learning. So this is the problem. We build these, you know, kids don't care. Kids want to, you know, they don't want to go to school, okay? You, you, you send them there. Whatever happened to the, like the one-room schoolhouse? Remember that? I mean, I don't know. Our kids turned out pretty well that uh, went to school in the 1800s in the one-room schoolhouse, yeah, I'm not advocating we go back to that necessarily. I'm, you know, obviously, I, I know we have to have amenities. I know we have to have computers. I know we have to have physical education facilities. I know we have to have multipurpose rooms. I know we have to have, you know, nice things. I get that, but 578 million bucks to construct some schools, a complex, a K through 12 complex. Partly by circumstance and partly by design, the Los Angeles Unified School District has emerged as the mogul of Taj Mahal's. The RFK complex follows on the heels of two other L.A. schools among the nation's costliest, the $377 million Edward R. Roybal. Uh, school. That's the Learning Center, which opened in 2008, and the $232 million Visual and Performing Arts High School that debuted in 2009. The pricey schools have come during a uh, very sensitive period for the nation's second largest school system. Nearly 3,000 teachers have been laid off over the past two years. Yeah, they had to lay them off so that they could afford to build these massive schools. Great, we have massive schools, but now we don't have any teachers to teach anybody in them. And you're going to tell me, again, California is going to cry poverty. They're going to, you realize, uh, I didn't even get to this story last week, but there's now, once again, the state of California is confronted confronted with the having to write IOUs to the citizens. So, you know, the state owes people tax refunds. And uh, when they do, normally they just issue a check. Well, in the state of California, they're going to issue you an IOU. Yeah, when we have the money, we'll be able to pay you guys. Los Angeles is not alone, however, in building some of the most expensive schools. In fact, some can be found in New York, for example. New York City has a $235 million campus. New Brunswick, New Jersey opened a $185 million high school in January. Nationwide, dozens of schools have surpassed the $100 million mark with amenities, including atriums, orchestra pit auditoriums, Food courts, even bamboo nooks, food courts in a school. We had a cafeteria and outside we had Peter Piper pizza, which is a local pizza chain. You could buy pizza. That's it. That's what we had. You know, my high school, it wasn't like a total slum. I mean, it was ghetto, but it wasn't a total slum. We had a cafeteria. You had a couple of choices. And if you didn't like them, you brought your lunch. And if you didn't like that, tough. I mean, really? Orchestra pit auditoriums. How about this? This is the problem. You want to know why Japan is outpacing us? You want to know why we are 20th in math and science in the world? You want to know why we are being outpaced by nations like friggin' Canada and South Korea and Japan and Germany and France and uh, everywhere in the UK? You want to know why they're all passing us? Because we spend our money not on reading, writing, and arithmetic. But we spend our money on orchestra pit auditoriums, atriums, food courts. I mean, it's great that our kids are going to be able to you know learn how to play uh, 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 the trombone and they're gonna get nice and fat because they'll have the choice between McDonald's, Subway, Burger King, and Panda Express in their schools. That's that's fine. I mean that's great. Uh, and bamboo nooks, that's great. But where are the test scores? How is this going to help to... Well, I feel so good. I'm glad that I was able to get McDonald's for lunch, so now I'm going to be able to do better on my math test this afternoon. Okay, fat ass, whatever you say. Here's a thought. How about we pump $578 million into a curriculum? How about we pump $578 million into hiring some competent teachers? How about we spend that money on actually educating our children? I have no problem with putting it into computers, and I have no problem with putting it into things that are actually useful. But I mean, my God, we're building atriums, orchestra pits. Mike, what's wrong with music? You're a musician. What's wrong with that? Yeah, I don't mind a nice music program. I would rather, if, if we're going to, if we have to make a, a sacrifice... I would sacrifice music to have our students be best at math and science in the world. Remember when America led the world? Remember when America was dominant? America was the preeminent force in education. We dished out the most educated students. Remember that? It wasn't that long ago. We were the superior nation in in most academic categories. Now, not so much. I mean, sure, our kids are nice and fat. Sure, we put out kids that, man, they, they got orchestra pits. I'm sure they walk up to like a Chinese kid and they go, hey, yeah, you know what? Uh, in my country, um, we have the choice between uh, McDonald's and, and Burger King and, and Subway and Panda Express. It's great. And then the Chinese kid says, uh, yeah, well, you know what's cool is uh, I'm going to be uh, a nuclear uh, engineer. I'm going uh, to be a quantum physicist. And the other kid goes, yeah, well, I'm going to be working at the McDonald's at our school's food court when I graduate. I'm going to be flipping those burgers. So, yeah. I mean, what are we, what kind of priorities are we putting forth? Well, we're building really nice buildings. Some architect is definitely making good money. Construction workers are making nice money because we're building these these Taj Mahals for learning. It doesn't matter what the building looks like. It matters what goes on inside. You have to have competent teachers. And I'm sure those 3,000 teachers that got laid off in the LA Unified School District, they probably would sure love a piece of that 578 million bucks. Maybe increase the teacher's salary just a little bit. I mean, I know it's cool to pay teachers $25,000 a year, but then you do that, what kind of education do you really expect them to be able to administer? I'm, uh, I'm perplexed. I really am. Some experts say that it's not all, uh, you know, um, uh, such a good idea. To build these kind of schools. Yeah, you think so? After a firestorm over the $197 million uh, Newton North High School in Massachusetts, Mayor David Cohen chose not to seek re-election. And uh, State Treasurer Timothy Cahill remained in school. um, He reigned in school construction spending. Yeah, that's what should happen. Again, I'm all for having a nice facility, okay? We don't need to send our kids to rat holes to learn. There should be air conditioning. I'll tell you, the first couple of years, uh, our school was being renovated when I was in uh, third and fourth grade. You know, our schools had EVAP cooling, all right? We had swamp coolers. We didn't have air conditioning. And I got to tell you, when school started around Labor Day, the monsoon is still going on here in Arizona and it's humid, And it's hot And swamp coolers don't work I remember doing many uh, Assignments in class Sweating my ass off Still did just fine Here's another example of uh, This is just You talk about government intrusion And nonsense So um, There's a woman In uh, Philadelphia She has a blog And she occasionally also writes some contributions to ehow.com. Over the past few years, this woman says that she's made about $50 total between her blog and her contributions to ehow.com. Her name is Marilyn Bess. Her website is a hobby, but to the city of Philadelphia, it's considered a potential moneymaker and the city wants their cut. Check it out. This is unbelievable. In May, the city of Philadelphia sent Marilyn Bess a letter demanding that she pay $300 the price of a business privilege license. Quote, The real kick in the pants is that I don't have a full-time job. So for the city to tell me to pony up $300 for a business privilege license, uh, pay a wage tax, business privilege tax, net profits tax, on what's a... um, You know, really... She just wants them to... She says uh, they want me to hand hand over uh, a big handful of money and that's just outrageous. It would be one thing if Best Website were, well, an actual business or if the amount of money that the city wanted would outpace her earnings sixfold. Sure, uh, the city uh, has its rules and yes... Cash-strapped cities can't very well ignore potential sources of income. But at the same time, there must be some room for discretion and common sense. No, there's no room for discretion and common sense when it comes to city government, when it comes to government in general. I wonder how they found out. They just go around looking for sites registered in, you know, by uh, people in the city of Philadelphia and then look and see what's going on. I mean, would my site be considered a business? Because if it is, I'm, I'm definitely doing it wrong. That's for sure. I'm, I'm shelling out money every month. That's generally not how business works. When, Bre- uh, when Bess pressed her case to officials in the city's now closed tax amnesty program, she says, quote, I was told to hire an accountant. She's not alone after dutifully reporting even the smallest profits on their tax filings this year. A number, though no one knows exactly what the number is, of Philadelphia bloggers were dispatched letters informing them that they owe $300 for a privilege license. So let let me just ask you this. What would happen if those people just said, you know what, I'm not paying? City going to try and collect? Are they going to shut down their blog? Are they going to try and get the blog shut down? Are they going to sh- just go and shut down the interwebs? Maybe they should do that. Well, uh, you write a blog. That's a business. No, it's not. That's called expressing my opinion. There's no difference between doing that and walking out to the town square you know, under the Liberty Bell and yelling the same crap that I post on my blog. Just because you have a Facebook page or you have a blog spot account or even have your own personal website like I do, michaelgroff.com, just because you have that, that doesn't necessarily mean you're running a business. A business usually involves some type of transactions that are occurring, some type of commerce that's being done. Not, hey, I have a website and I decide to post my personal opinions on it. And oh yeah, just just so I can pay GoDaddy back the money uh, or whoever I registered the site with, yeah, maybe I put banner ads on it. Or if, if it's in the case of Blogspot or something, those aren't my banner ads. Those are Blogspot's banner ads. That's, that, that's them making their money, not me. You believe that? The city actually going after somebody because they have a website where they express their opinion. They post a blog. And that's somehow considered a viable source of income. That's, uh, that's, I guess that's revenue. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and why are we throwing the bums out again in November? Why are we going after... Why is there such an anti-government sentiment that raises itself out there? You know, the same thing that the progressive movement doesn't understand. Um, And then we have this. This is kind of weird news. Kind of cool science news, actually. Astronomers have discovered a planetary system containing at least five planets orbiting a star called HD 10180. Very catchy name for a star. It's, uh, this, they say this is, it's much like our own sun. The star is 127 light years away. It's in the southern constellation of Hydras. The researchers used the European Southern Observatory to monitor light emitted from the system and identify the characteristics of the planets. They say that this is the richest system of exoplanets planets outside of our own solar system ever found. Christoph Lovis uh, from the Geneva University Observatory in Switzerland has led researchers on the study. He said that uh, his team probably found the system with the most planets yet discovered. This also highlights the fact that we are now entering a new era in exoplanet research, he said. The research has been submitted for a publication in the Journal of Astronomy and Astrophysics. And of course, it goes into how they figure that these are planets. Uh, you know, they talk about how the sun, how this particular star, how this particular sun uh, wobbles, how it moves. And based on how it moves, they can tell that there are several planets that are pulling on it. That have orbits going on. And uh, these planets are all relatively within uh, a near orbit to the sun. In other words, about the same distance or closer that Mars is to the sun. So they believe that, you know, maybe there's a possibility that these planets could even have life on them. So you can see this is a big discovery. And I think that's something kind of cool. I'm always into that. And, uh, you know, I'm always uh, hopeful that we'll find life on other planets. Hopefully it's better than life on this one. Life on this one kind of sucks. I wonder, I always wonder if, if there is life on those planets. I wonder if it's, you know, if it's looking at us, if it's seeing the same things. What stage they're in. If it's more of a beginning stage of life formation. If it's kind of an intermediate stage, sort of where we are. If it's more an advanced stage. You know, uh, a race that's trying to uh, get going on interstellar travel. Yeah, these are things I think about. I know, geek, I got gotcha. you. But still, I think, it's, uh, I think it's neat. All right, Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Also, our PayPal address. You can always make your most generous contributions to this program. We do accept them anything uh, that uh, you'd like. You know, I got to do this when we come back. I got into a discussion with a listener a couple of days ago. He was listening to a previous podcast, and uh, I had to just address something. Very important. There are some people on radio and TV I don't like, and I've certainly made that well-known on the air, and he wants me to back up my assertion that Rick Sanchez over there at CNN is an idiot, which I think it could be very easily proven. I think I've proven it many times, but I forgot about a clip today, and so I was reminded of it. I got to play you this. This is unbelievable. This is a guy that actually has a job on CNN. Somebody actually takes his commentary seriously. I mean, I know he only has like 14 people that watch him. More people listen to this podcast than watch Rick Sanchez. That said, it's still... I just have to play this. It's It's just... It's the OMG clip And I know it's old I know people are going to say That clip was out two months ago Shut up Alright it's Michael Groff. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff show More coming up Ya, we can through this I'm sitting here right now. I feel the urge to feet. throw up in my mouth right now. So, since you I was in a good mood, okay, but I'm sitting here, I'm watching John McCain giving his victory speech I, from his headquarters he in downtown Phoenix tonight. As he has been declared the winner in the Senate primary, the Republican primary, running against J.D. Hayworth and Jim Deacon. And he's sitting here talking about how, you know, he's going to go back and fight in the Senate, and he's not taking anything for granted, but he says, you know, if he's fortunate enough to be reelected in November, he's going to go back and secure the border, and I mean, I just want to throw up every time this guy starts talking. its He's the most liberal Republican that I've seen come out of this state in a long time. Uh, It's just sickening, actually. This this segment is not going to be good because I got to tell you, this has really put a damper on my evening. I'm sitting here right now. I'm watching this guy, the the smug, that smirk, that snarky look that he has on his face. It just, it drives me crazy, this John McCain. I don't know. People keep complaining about this guy. They keep talking about how bad he is, and yet the same people, they go back to the polls and they keep electing this guy. Uh, Maybe it's because the people that run against him are just as bad. Jim Deacon, who nobody's ever heard of. And then uh, J.D. Hayworth, who, frankly, J.D. Hayworth is certainly more conservative than John McCain, there's no question about it, but he just turns people off. You talk about a smugness, you talk about an inflated sense of ego, a pomposity, that's definitely J.D. Hayworth. And again, don't don't get me wrong, if I were Republican and participating in this particular primary, I would probably have voted for J.D. Hayworth, but... I mean come on this is just this is horrible All right so that's uh, that certainly gets the segment off to a uh, rocky start because I have to <laughs> I have to watch John McCain give another uh, victory speech here in a a primary now and of course there's no question that whoever emerges as the democrat challenger against him he's going to wipe the floor with that one too probably in the order of probably by 30 points, probably, maybe even more. It's definitely going to be a very wide margin because that's what John McCain does in this state. People complain about him. People talk about how he's a loser. People talk about the 2008 presidential run and how that's going to take him down credibility-wise in this state. And people talk about how he's not really a conservative and Arizonans are fed up with John McCain. and And then he waxes everybody. So apparently people aren't really that upset. Apparently that's just more doublespeak from the voters of this state. Well, I'll tell you what, right now, I'm not one of those people. I would, I'm not voting for him for Senator. Are you kidding? I don't know. Who, whoever the libertarian candidate is, I'll probably vote for them. I don't even know. I haven't even decided. Luckily, I have, what, 70-some days to figure that thing out. I can't wait for the campaign ads to start up again. We just got through this round of them and now we have to slog through another bunch of campaign ads. Great. That's what I'm looking forward to. Fantastic. All right. Now, uh, this is one of those topics that I don't get into this kind of thing very often on the show. Because this is not necessarily a sexy topic. It's not something that's necessarily salacious. It's not something that you're probably going to stand around the water cooler at the office talking about. But I think this is important and this, again, emphasizes a big problem. You know, I think one of the, the main problems with human beings in general, with humankind, and the way we run things is we, we take our garbage And we just dump it into the ocean or we just dump it into the ground. We think the problem's going to go away. And I just always wonder what happens when we start running out of places to dump our garbage? What happens when we're out of room? Well, that question is certainly coming up in Hawaii, specifically in Honolulu. Not quite to this extreme, but it is an interesting situation. In Honolulu, they have giant piles of shrink-wrapped garbage that have been just sitting out in the heat of Hawaii in in an industrial park for more than five months now. The, The reason is because they're looking for a place to dump all this garbage. They have all this garbage that's been sitting out there, and it's been processed, and now it's been wrapped up in these like layers and layers of plastic, and now they're looking for a place to dump it. See, they thought they had a place to put this, and they were going to transfer all this garbage to a landfill in Washington state. But the problem is it's located near a, uh, an Indian reservation. So now that's not going to happen. The state's largest city, that'd be Honolulu, is struggling to find a place to put all this garbage, all their waste. They have a dump, but it's filling up very fast. It's almost near capacity. So they want to ship 100,000 tons of blue plastic-wrapped garbage bales each year to a landfill near an Indian reservation in Washington. Uh, this is near, um, let's see, uh, well, Honolulu Mayor uh, Kirk Caldwell acknowledges that this is a big problem. Quote, the city bent over backwards to try to make this shipping effort work, but it's clear that the shipping is not a viable option at this time. Honolulu makes up 80% of Hawaii's population and generates nearly 1.6 million tons of garbage every year, which is more than a third of the trash. uh, Well, more than a third of their trash is incinerated. And they use it to generate electricity. So, you know, not all the trash goes into the ground and not all of it goes into the ocean. But a lot of it is going into an incinerator and uh, they, they use that to generate some power. But the problem now is, okay, landfills are getting full. And this Indian tribe says, no, uh, we're not very interested in uh, in doing that. And And Hawaii, they could try and put this on the big island of Hawaii. They could try to dump it there. But here's the problem. Okay. The problem is they have, a, they have a, a dump on the Big Island, which they figure they could fill for at least 71 years. But there's an ordinance that says you can't put the trash there. So basically in Hawaii, they have a bunch of NIMBYs. They have a bunch of not in my backyard kind of people. And Washington State's saying the same thing now. The Yakima Indian Nation says, nope. So this is a big problem. And they don't know where they're going to put it. And of course, they don't want to put it anywhere else. They have a great place that they could dump some garbage in, in the southwestern part of Oahu, which is the island that Honolulu is on. But the problem is they don't want to destroy some of the pristine uh, tourist attractions. When I drive uh, up to Las Vegas, it's funny, uh, on the way up to uh, Vegas, right outside, or once you get past Kingman, when you're going up between Kingman and the Hoover Dam, there's a big landfill out there. And there's a big sign and everything. And it's just, you watch and you see that it's just, it's garbage. They're dumping just piles, tons and tons and tons of garbage. And it's right below the surface of the earth. And that's what they're talking about doing here. Now they say uh, 907,000 residents and 51,000 military service members and families and an average of 80,000 tourists every day. They produced 1.5, 1.6 million uh, tons of uh, in the fiscal year ending in June. Uh, this is just garbage. So that's um, that's a problem. What I like, though, is they have this guy here in this story. This is great. Uh, the quote of the day really comes from uh, the fella here, and I just want to make sure I get his name. This is Mike Schutz or Schutz. Mike Schutz, he is—he uh, is the, I guess he's the director of Hawaii's uh, waste system. Let's see, he says that they wanted, they were really hoping to get this uh, garbage taken care of and dump it in Washington State. And he says, "quote I know in my heart that this is absolutely not only an acceptable, but an environmentally safe." Uh, process and will do no harm whatsoever to the environment. He's saying that if we could just work it out with this Indian tribe in Washington uh, they could dump this garbage and it's totally environmentally safe because the process is again they, they wrap all the garbage in like eight layers of plastic all right, and then they bury it into the ground and cover it with 18 inches of soil yes a whole 18 inches that's a foot and a half for those of you who are victims of public education. So you mean to tell me you're just going to put uh, hundreds of... You're going to put like 1.6 million tons of garbage every single year. Well, maybe not all of that, but let's just say a million tons of garbage every year. You're going to put that into the ground, 18 inches below the surface. And that's just... There, the problem's solved. And this guy, This guy says, I know in my heart that this is absolutely not only acceptable, but environmentally safe and will do no harm whatsoever to the environment. It's garbage, guys. It doesn't just go away. It doesn't just break down. It's there for hundreds or thousands of years. Yeah, eventually what will happen is it will start to break down. Eventually, it will decompose. Eventually, time and pressure Will will break down the structure and and it'll uh, God knows what it'll turn into oil. I don't even know what it'll turn into, but it'll it'll turn into slasher. It'll turn into something, probably not very healthy. Whatever it turns into, but it'll turn into something. But the problem is, we'll all be long dead before that happens. And then the ultimate side. So again, that just shows you uh, the problems that we face in this country, um, just with waste management. These are real issues. I know that's not a sexy thing that I just talked about right there, and I try to make it kind of relevant. I know it's Hawaii. I know nobody cares about Hawaii. But I'm telling you, this, this is a problem. We can't just throw garbage into the ocean forever, and we can't just keep finding uh, more landfills and digging more landfills to put the garbage in. Because while the earth is a huge place, and while there's certainly plenty of subterranean space to throw our garbage in, God, you got to figure, sooner or later, it's going to come back to bite us in the ass. Because this Indian tribe, you know the reason they said no? The reason they said no is because it's right next to a river. It's right next to the Columbia River. That's not a good place to put garbage, whether it's wrapped in eight layers of plastic or not. Not safe. Not a good idea. Might want to try incinerating more of it to generate power. That's all I can tell you. All right, speaking of government and weirdness, this is from Scohegan, Maine. Neighbors in a central main town are upset that a landowner who can't build on his quarter acre parcel has opened up his land as a native park for the homeless. So you have this guy. He bought a parcel of land. His name is Bruce Olbert. Olbert. Bruce Olbert. He buys a parcel of land and then they tell him, you can't build a house on this. You can't build anything on this, on this land. And he says, why not? Well, the backstory story is that it's, it's near enough to a stream to where I, there's an ordinance that says you just can't build there. It's not zoned for building a house or it's not built for, zoned for building a residence there. So now he just can't even believe that. He can't believe that he has a piece of land and the city says, you you can't build on it. It's too close to a stream. So he says, all right, F you guys. I'm going to turn it into a park for the homeless. Obviously, uh, neighbors, residents are quite upset by this because now an 84-year-old homeless man and his Rottweiler have set up camp in the property, which is on uh, Coburn Avenue in Skowhagen a quiet residential street near downtown. <clears throat> a banner says, uh, quote, Nature Park, nature trails for the homeless people of Somerset County. Neighbors tell the Morning Sentinel that the neighborhood is inappropriate for a homeless encampment. They say that landowner Bruce Obert of Norridgewick. Is miffed that zoning will not let him build anything on the land. So he says, Hey, I'm gonna I'll stick it to you guys. I'll show you. I'll just put up a park for the homeless there. I think that's I think that's noble, actually. He's even built a uh a, a there's a picnic table there, there's even a portable toilet. So he's into it. Won't let me build there, I'll just I'll do something else then. Somehow I just don't see this going over too well. I'm sure eventually the city will just claim eminent domain over the property. And then there'll be a fight back and forth about that. Uh, I foresee this case going to the Supreme Court eventually. I really do. I'm serious. I, I, I foresee this going before the Supreme Court and a lot of taxpayer dollars are wasted on this. And <clears throat> the other thing I think is really cool is um, you know, the military has this new weapon Basically, it's like a heat beam. It's an invisible heat beam. They just point it at, uh, at somebody. And the the top layer of their skin feels incredible amount of pain to where they want to get out of the way of the beam. So now, and we've talked about this on the show before. So now what they're going to do is they're going to introduce this into L.A. jails. And they're going to try and use this as a means to break up fights, or riots, or situations that develop in a jail setting. This is great. Of course, there's obviously some controversy over using a microwave energy on people, and a beam like this. Obviously, uh, this is—it's not quite the same as the military weapon, which we haven't actually implemented yet. Because again, there are fights. There, it is kind of a controversial weapon. Uh, but they do have it, so you could mount one on a Humvee. They even are trying to build a an aircraft version, uh, one that mounts on an aircraft. Um, but now they're going to apply this into a, a jail in the L.A. area. See, I think that's cool. I think that's actually a very good use of um, <clears throat> of such technology. It's non-lethal. Nobody dies from it. It's not like pointing a, a real microwave at somebody, but it does use those same principles to cause extreme amounts of pain to where the person immediately wants to just do nothing but move away from the beam. Basic human instinct takes over. And again, I think that's, that's fine. So Whatever. Alright, uh, Mike at KMGX.com That is our email address It is Mike at KMGX.com That about does it We are so out of here for tonight Also Mike at KMGX.com Is our PayPal address Who can donate to this program Keep us on the air Keep us up and going We really do appreciate it Appreciate your patronage Your constant listening Checking us out The zip code famous Michael Graff show all right, we're back tomorrow with another edition of this fine program. Thank you so much for checking us out, uh, Michael Groff Show AOL Instant Messenger. That is our screen name over there, uh, available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And for more information on this year' program, MichaelGroff.com, the place to go. Yeah, one day a real site will be there. Maybe a hot chick will help design it. I'm just, I'm just saying. I don't have any specific inside info. Well, maybe I do. I'm just saying that maybe we'll get a little bit more help with the design. I've been saying that for years, but you know, look. It's It's bound to happen. All right. Back tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Have a great night, everybody.